The following recording is a production of Kicking Out at Two in conjunction with the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network and is intended for private use only. For more information, head on over to facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two or our Twitter handle at kicking out two, along with searching Retromania with a W on any and all podcast platforms available to listen to archive shows such as this and all the great content of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Evergreen content at your fingertips anytime at your listening pleasure. And with that being said, we thank you for listening and hope you enjoy the show. You tuned into another Dennis J. Levy wildcard edition of Kicking Out at Two. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth. Dennis is going to be joining me shortly. Can't wait to get into this week's episode as we're going to be discussing whatever comes out of Dennis's mouth. Apparently, he's got an interesting Mantar story that he wanted to share. By the way, um, for those of you that are keeping score, unfortunately, the individual who portrayed Mantar in WWE in the mid-90s, Mike Halleck, had passed away. So, Dennis's story regarding Mantar and an individual he was dating at the time, this was recorded prior to Mike Halleck's passing. So, uh, for those of you that are, um, I guess, that keeping score, we offer our thoughts and prayers and condolences to the Halleck family and to the loved ones. Uh, that are survived by the late Mike Hollick, a.k.a. Mantar. Um, so we got that on deck. Dennis has also got uh, some, uh, some, some thoughts about his proudest and most embarrassing moments to be a wrestling fan. I share some of my thoughts there as well. But I thought I would take a detour and discuss some things that took place in the wrestling Twitter space over the weekend. Uh, some positive stuff, some negative stuff. And I wanted to talk about and give my thoughts on the FTR Bullet Club match that took place on Collision over the weekend. So uh, we're going to get into all of that and then some. Uh, if you're looking for evergreen content, you're looking for archives to kick it out in two, marking out the days, cool tooth of the AC, all kinds of great bonus content, you can find it over at Podbean on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. So search Retromania on Podbean, Retromania with a W. Or any other podcast platform available. You'll find all kinds of great content over there um, on the streams. Uh, you'll find Cool Truth of the AC. Those guys talk pretty much current day stuff. Kind of like what I'm doing right now. This is, a this is a like I said, a detour from the more retro format. But um, they talk retro. They talk, I'm sorry, they don't talk retro stuff. They talk, you know, current day stuff. AEW, WWE. They throw in a little impact if, they, if, if, it, if it tickles their fancy, if you will. So check those guys out. Kobe Nida and myself, we cover 1993 Monday Night Raw, marking out the day season three. Raw is 30, celebrating the 30th anniversary. We do a watch along every month of one episode from that particular month of Monday Night Raw. So you can find those in the archives as well as additional marking out the day's episodes covering other great nostalgic wrestling content from the early 90s. Um, find that there. Origins of Attitude. Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Hulkamania is Dead, all kinds of cool shows over there, fun bonus content. Check it out, as well as this show, Kick It Out It Too. You can find all this great content over there, Retromania with a W on Podbean or any other podcast platform provided. So, um, go check it out. All right, cheap plug out of the way, as usual. Uh, it's been a while since I've done one of those cheap plugs, uh, so I thought it would be fitting we do it here. Um, anyways, last weekend, over the weekend... Um, there was some really good activity on Kicking Out at Two's Twitter page, which you, if you haven't followed us, go follow us at Kicking Out Two, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number two. Um, 
we got all kinds of great content over there. We post links to the shows. We we, we, we post, you know, different banter. So over the weekend, um, there was a picture that I posted from the WWE Fox account. Um, and I asked for all of you to share your thoughts. And you guys really brought it. Like, kick some major ass. Probably the, the most activity that my account on Twitter has had in quite some time. Um, the question was, it was a picture from Fox's WWE account. It said, what is your all-time favorite match from? And pick one from WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, or the Royal Rumble. And I'm telling you, man, you guys brought it. I'm going to share some of your some of your picks. I'm not going to go through everybody. And then I will give you um, what I chose from each of those events, replicating the big four. So, uh, good buddy of the show, Charlie Thrower. He wrote, from WrestleMania, TLC2. SummerSlam, Rick Rude and the Ultimate Warrior in the Big Blue Cage. Uh, from Survivor Series, Adam Cole and Pete Dunne for the NXT title in 2019. And from the Royal Rumble, Triple H and Cactus Jack in a street fight. Those are all pretty good picks. I was surprised with the Survivor Series pick um, with Adam Cole and Pete Dunne. It was a great match, but um, I was kind of surprised given the lineage and the history of that event that you chose that one, Charlie. But really cool stuff. Um 80s wrestling fan. From WrestleMania, he, he picked Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat from WrestleMania 3, but uh, Bret Hart and Roddy Piper was his runner-up because he couldn't really choose. Both great matches, classics. Uh, another tie from SummerSlam, the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks, and the Bret Hart British Bulldog, uh, Davey Boy Smith Intercontinental Classic from 1992. Uh, Survivor Series. The main event of the inaugural Survivor Series. Hulk Hogan's team, which featured Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf, Don Morocco, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Ken Patera taking on Andre the Giant's team of Captain Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, One Man Gang, Ravishing Recruit, and the Natural Butch Reed. And from the Royal Rumble, he picked the 1992 Royal Rumble match, which was won by Ric Flair. Picket Pride. He's a uh, action figure collector who I follow on uh, Instagram, or I'm sorry, on Twitter. Uh, he picked from WrestleMania, Hulk Hogan and Randy Macho Man Savage, WrestleMania 5. From SummerSlam, Bret the Hitman Hart versus Owen Hart inside of a steel cage. Survivor Series, Diesel versus Bret Hart from 1995. And from the Royal Rumble, the last man standing match from 2007, John Cena and Umaga. That's a pretty good pick. I like that pick. Um, I, I, I've always been a big fan of Umaga, the late Umaga. I thought he had unlimited potential and... Um, Definitely a stud within that Samoan dynasty, if you will. Unfortunately, his, his life um, ended way too soon. But uh, while he was here on Earth, his, his contributions as Umaga in the WWE uh, certainly don't go unnoticed. Uh, hell of a performer. Hell of a talent. Uh, let's see what else we got here. We had a lot. A lot of guys chose. Um, had some great picks here. Uh, who else do we have here? Um, the Raw is Nitro podcast. They wrote, from WrestleMania, the Macho Man and the Ultimate Warrior from WrestleMania 7, the career-ending match. Great pick. One of my favorite Macho Man matches of all time. Probably the Ultimate Warrior's greatest match of all time. Uh, you can check that out in the archives of Kicking Out of Two. Dennis and I did a, a pretty fun watch-along a couple of years ago, celebrating the 30th anniversary of that match. Uh, from SummerSlam 2002, Shawn Michaels and Triple H in the unsanctioned match. Another great pick. Also another match that 
is in the archives over at Kicking Out of Two. Chris Donovan and I, one of our very early episodes, watched that match back. So that's a lot of fun. From the Survivor Series, 1998, the finals of the WWF Championship Tournament, The Rock and Mankind. Pretty good pick, I must say. Um, I, uh, I I love that show. I think it's probably one of the best contributions that Vince Russo as a writer put together uh, with one of the... the, the the most elaborate and intricate storylines, one-night storylines um, in the history of wrestling, all in that pay-per-view. You can go check it out in the archives. I'm, I was actually thinking about doing a watch-along of that uh, later in the year, maybe even covering it, um, doing a recap. Uh, so be on the lookout for that as well. And his final pick from the Royal Rumble would be the 2001 Royal Rumble match. I saw Stone Cold Steve Austin pick up his third Royal Rumble victory. That's a pretty fun match as well. So... All great picks from uh, the Raw is Nitro podcast. Let me see who else. Um, there's there was a lot of great picks in here. We saw a lot of um, of uh, uh, picks for the 1992 Royal Rumble matches as, as a as a favorite. Um, we saw a lot of picks with um, uh, Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect from SummerSlam 1991. So uh, yeah, there's been a lot of great picks here. Let me see what else we got here. Um, Jason Bayless. Wrote WrestleMania, Rock versus Hogan from WrestleMania 18. SummerSlam, Brett versus Owen inside of a steel cage. Awesome pick. Survivor Series, Shawn Michaels versus Randy Orton, the one where Shawn couldn't use the super kick. That was in 2007. And the 1992 Royal Rumble match. All great picks. Um, I want to thank all you guys for, 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 for checking the Twitter account out and participating. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, now, as far as my picks go, I'll start with Royal Rumble. Okay, My favorite match from Royal Rumble is easily the 1992 Royal Rumble match. A who's who at that time in the wrestling business in that Royal Rumble match. You had Ric Flair, who won the damn thing and became the champ. Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, The Undertaker, Jake the Snake, Roddy Piper, um, Undertaker. Did I say Undertaker? I might say Undertaker. Sid. Um... Uh, Shawn Michaels, Kerry Von Air, Ted DiBiase, the British Bulldog. I mean, you have loads of Sergeant Slaughter. You have loads of Hall of Famers in that Royal Rumble match. Um, and uh, another match that uh, is in the archives over at Kicking Out at Two uh, by searching that over at Retromania with a W. Dennis and I just did a watch along of that earlier this year, as a matter of fact. Um, so we had a lot of fun doing that. Go check that out if you're interested. Um, so, yeah, that would have to be my favorite Royal Rumble match. Um, not only the actual Royal Rumble match itself, but a match from a Royal Rumble event. Now, there's other great matches. The Triple H Cactus Jack Street Fight that Charlie Thrower mentioned, awesome match. That is the match that made Triple H into a top guy. Don't care what anybody says. Foley put him on the map. Um, that's a great match from the Royal Rumble. Um I was at the Royal Rumble earlier this year, and I thought the men's Royal Rumble, when Cody Rhodes won, was a great match. Uh, an all-time classic, in my opinion. The, with the, the star power in that match, the stories that were told, and I'm not just saying that because I was there in San Antonio with my wife. It was a, it was a really great match. Um, there's other great Rumble. Brett and Ray, Razor Ramon, 1993, WWF Championship. Awesome, awesome match for, for the WWF title. Um, trying to think what else is... I'm a big stickler for the 1997 Royal Rumble match when Austin won. Um, I love the John Cena Umaga match. I just mentioned that earlier. I love the the um, what's the other Rumble 
the match at the Royal Rumble. It's not a Rumble match, but it was a, a regular match on the card that was really good. Um, I'm drawing a blank here. Son of a bitch. 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Rockin' Mankind. I quit. 1999. Brutal match. Awesome match. Sometimes uncomfortable to watch with the amount of chair shots Mick Foley took to the head, which I believe was like over 13. Handcuffed, mind you, behind his back. Um, so, yeah, those are just some of the few that that could have made the cut on my list. But I chose the 92 Rumble because when I think Royal Rumble, that's the first thing that comes into my mind. Ric Flair winning the Royal Rumble, becoming the WWF champion in 1992. Inarguably the greatest Royal Rumble match of all time, period. End of discussion. Nothing's going to top it. Nothing will beat it. Um, Survivor Series? My pick for a Survivor Series match there's not many that come to mind, but there were some great picks. Like, Brett versus Austin from 96 made the cut. Um, and so did uh, Team WWF versus the Alliance. That made the cut as well. Um, another Survivor Series match that, that made the cut. Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles from 2017. Hell of a match. Um, but if I were to put a match from Survivor Series on my list, I'm going to go with a personal favorite of mine. Team Austin versus Team Bischoff from 2003. Team Bischoff was captained by Chris Jericho with Randy Orton, Christian, Scott Steiner, and Mark Henry to take on the team of Team Austin, which had Shawn Michaels, the Dudley Boys, Rob Van Dam, and Booker T. Now, the... The real meat and potatoes and the drama in the match just comes when Shawn Michaels is down 3-1. to one, And he's the last hope for Team Austin. Because the stipulation going into the, the that match was, you know, Austin and Bischoff were the co-general managers of Monday Night Raw. And there had been conflict for months and months and months between both parties. And Austin, who wasn't actively wrestling anymore, was assaulting other wrestlers on the roster as the general manager and it had become a conflict with Eric Bischoff and Bischoff was using his political power to protect some of his favorites and so there was a power struggle between the two characters on television if you don't remember and so this Survivor Series match was if Austin's team won then Austin could have free reign as the general manager to do whatever he wants you can get the old they they they, they phrased it as the old stone cold will return now I don't know if that meant him returning to the ring or if he was just going to beat people's asses and there was going to be no repercussions. Um, but if Team Austin had lost, Stone Cold Steve Austin would no longer be the general manager of Monday Night Raw. He'd be fired. And uh, the, the drama going into the, the closing portions of that match, I'd probably say that like the last 15 minutes, was Shawn Michaels was down 3-1. to one, And he was up against Jericho, Christian, and Randy Orton. And Michaels had an uphill battle. At times he was bleeding. I think they did a spot where Michaels got rammed into the post and he did a blade job, but he managed to um, to get a quick roll-up over Christian. Then he managed to get a quick victory over Jericho, and it was down to him and Orton, and it was back and forth, and Michaels was almost there. He had one more mountain to climb in Randy Orton, and then Bischoff got involved. Austin jumped in the ring. There was a ref bump, and then Batista shows up, who was a member of Evolution, and he power bombs. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Randy Orton gets the victory. Team Austin loses. Stone Cold's fired. It's it's a hell of a match. Go check it out. Survivor Series 2003. Team Austin, Team Bischoff. Um, 
one of my favorite, it's my favorite Survivor Series match of all time. And there's other great Survivor Series matches, like I said, but there was just so much drama in that match. I just love it. Um, if I'm going to pick a SummerSlam match, now there's quite a few on the list, but if there's one match that I really love at SummerSlam, it's the Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Steel Cage match from 1994. I've talked about it on this podcast. I've talked about it on other podcasts. Bret Owen, Inside of a Cage, is one of the best steel cage matches of all time. It's my favorite steel cage match of all time, but it's one of the best. And what's so great about it is, and I've said this before, but I'll kind of, you know, allow me to repeat myself here. Steel cage matches growing up had always been the end all be all. Like that was it. Like you blew off a rivalry, like you knew like business was going to get handled one way or another, there was going to be a winner and a loser. And sometimes they became bloody affairs. But in this case with Brett and Owen, the dynamic of their cage match and the psychology was so much different, but it was still really good. There was no blood. At the time, I don't believe Vince McMahon allowed blood in WWF. Um, I think they were like just getting over the, the, the steroid trial. and um, So there was no blood allowed on WWF programming. So Brett and Owen, the psychology in the match was all about these two brothers who had this sibling rivalry growing up, and it transpired and transformed into WWF programming. They're going to settle their differences inside the cage for the WWF Championship. And the cage is also designed to keep the Hart family out of the cage. Nobody gets involved. Now, we would eventually see the Hart family get involved at the end, but... Just the psychology behind it is just, it's unbelievable. The amount of times that Brett and Owen are trying to escape the cage and, you know, Owen jumping over his brother to get out the door. He's hanging by a thread. He's holding on to the ring steps and the apron, trying to, trying to you know, fight his way out of the cage. Same thing with Brett or when they both climb over the cage at times, trying to go after each other. And then just the wrestling itself between these two world-class athletes. Unbelievable stuff. Um, and then the end, Brett and Owen are outside the cage and they're climbing out and Owen gets his foot caught and he hangs upside down and Brett manages to escape and get the victory. Jim Neidhart, who at the time, Brett's former tag team partner, was kind of befriending Owen Hart, who was the disgruntled family member, uh, the, the, the baby brother of the Hart family. And so Anvil jumped the guardrail where he was sitting with the other Hart family members attacking Brett and then... He clotheslines a returning British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, who was sitting in the front row with his wife. Him and his wife both fall over. They take a pretty, pretty insane-looking bump. And then the family just gets involved trying to climb the cage. His Owen and Anvil are beating on Brett with the cage locked. It's just a drama all the way. It's, my, like I said, my favorite cage match. I just love it. I absolutely love it. And I, I look forward to being able to watch it as SummerSlam approaches uh, coming up. Go check that match out. Um, and we also did a watch along of it in the archives too, Kobe Knight and myself a couple of years ago. So, uh, go check that out in the archives, Retro Mania with a W, Brett versus Owen inside of a cage from SummerSlam 1994. That's my favorite SummerSlam match. Now, last but certainly not least, the granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania. Now, I could probably pick a handful of WrestleMania matches that could have made this, okay? Hogan and Andre. All right, from WrestleMania 3 could have made that list as my favorite WrestleMania match of all time. Not just because of the historical um, significance, but also the personal aspect that it has with me. Because 
I went and saw the movie, not the movie, I went and saw the match with my father in the movie theater, at a closed circuit movie theater when I was four years old. Um, Savage and Steamboat could have been a match that made that that spot for me on my list. Hell of a match. Probably um, the greatest wrestling match uh, of the 1980s. Uh, easily. Um, and even far into the 90s, too, for a long time, I would dare say. Um, I could have put Hogan and Rock from WrestleMania 18. I could have put Savage and Warrior from WrestleMania 7. I could have put Sean and Razor in the ladder match from WrestleMania 10. Um, I could have put Bret and Austin, the submission match. I know a couple people chose that match. All of those matches that I just listed, some of you guys that are out there on Twitter, you had them as your favorite WrestleMania match. But if there is one match... As a favorite WrestleMania match that I put on this list, it's Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, WrestleMania 25 from 2009. I mean, my favorite Shawn Michaels match, my favorite Undertaker match, my favorite WrestleMania match, and in my opinion, the greatest wrestling match of all time. I mean... What, 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 what can I say that hasn't been said about that match? What can I tell you guys about that match that you haven't heard? I mean, the near falls, the kickouts. You know, Michaels kicks out of the tombstone. JR with that great call. I just had an out-of-body experience. Like, I mean, I think everybody did watching that moment. I mean, the, the moonsault, Michaels out to the floor, and Undertaker swipes him away, he hits the floor. When Undertaker dives over the top rope, and Michaels throws the cameraman in the way, but the cameraman doesn't quite catch Undertaker, and he lands directly on top of his head. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's still, it's still it, we're, we're over a decade from it, and it's still, it still stands the test of time. So much so that, I think what that match also did was it raised the bar for the for, for, for wrestlers moving forward, especially in WWE, but the one bad thing that can come from that match, that has come from that match, is the the psychology of kicking out of someone's finishing move. I mean, it's now a common thing in wrestling. And I think it's something that needs to they they need to reintroduce um, the importance of a finishing move and, and what that finishing move um, means to the story of the match. Meaning, like, you shouldn't be kicking out of a guy's finisher. Um, and, and it shouldn't be every match. It shouldn't be every guy using their finisher and someone kicking out of it. You know? That, that to me, is probably the only drawback from that match as to what it did moving forward. Because then everybody pretty much used the Sean Taker WrestleMania 25 formula and how to put together and construct a match. And one big part of that was kicking out of each other's finishers. So, um, but yeah, that makes my list. That's my list right there. So my favorite Royal Rumble match from the Royal Rumble is the 92 Rumble when Ric Flair won. My favorite Survivor Series match is Team Austin versus Team Bischoff in a classic Survivor Series Five-on-five elimination match. My favorite SummerSlam match is Bret versus Owen Hart inside of a steel cage for the WWF Championship. And my favorite WrestleMania match, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker from WrestleMania 25. So once again, I want to thank all you guys for participating on Twitter. 
Um, it was a hell of a weekend. My phone was blowing up like crazy with getting notifications from all of you guys. So it was really cool that you guys participated and you shared. And I, I loved all your picks and some of the matches that you guys put up there. Like it reminded me like to go watch certain matches. So like the Brett Owen Cage match uh, from Picket Pride. I'm going to go watch that uh, coming up in the next uh, next day or so. Um, as well as other you know great matches that are on that list as well. So. Uh, look forward to uh, doing all that. But thank you guys once again. Now, let's get to, let's just throw in some negative Twitter activity that took place over the weekend. Um, not sure how many of you guys uh, follow this individual, but um, there's an individual on Twitter by the name of JD from New York. Okay. And he is a very opinionated and controversial figure in Twitter, okay? He has a YouTube show, um, somewhat successful, I guess, according to him. Uh, now, mind you, I don't follow him, but his his posts come up in my feed quite often. I don't know if people retweet or if they people that I follow. Um, so I don't know how the Twitter settings work. I'm kind of an old guy, so uh, I don't know how they work um, in the algorithm of Twitter. Uh, so, um, I don't know why his stuff comes up. Maybe people retweet them, maybe, but his profile is open to people that follow him and don't follow him. And, uh, it's blocked for the people that he's blocked and he's got plenty of reasons why he's blocked a lot of people. But anyways, so this guy, JD from New York, he's got a show on YouTube and I'm not trying to like pump him up and give him views. Okay. I'm just kind of setting the scene and telling the story here. Um, he pretty much, in my opinion, he's a big AEW fan. And he hate watches WWE. Like a lot of people I know. Hate watches WWE. Now I'm not saying WWE programming is perfect. There are flaws in their storytelling in my opinion. Um, there's lack of consistency and lack of logic in some of their, their storylines. But um, the last year or so from when Triple H took over. When Vince McMahon was ousted as the chairman. And Triple H took over. Even to when Vince had allegedly returned. Um... To set up the sale of the company with Endeavor. They've had some really good content. Not everything's been a home run. But they've put out some really good content. Mainly the Bloodline storyline. Has probably been the best long term storyline. That they have orchestrated in the last decade. Okay. Maybe even longer. Okay. So. JD. If that's his name. I don't even know if that's his real name. Or if it's just some Twitter handle. That he likes to use. But. He posts a lot of content that is pretty much, like I said, he hate watches WWE. And everything that's bad with the programming is a blame on Vince McMahon. When Vince McMahon wasn't allegedly you know, part of the company, he would still blame some of the content on Vince really pulling the strings. So he's everything is just so negative. He's so angry. And... If you were if you if you comment on some of his content and you oppose his opinion, he'll he'll belittle you, he'll he'll call you names. Like how childish is that? Like he'll call you a fucking loser or a virgin mark or you know all kinds of nasty derogatory names that he will call whether they're his followers or not. Like I said, the profile is open. So he puts it out there, someone sees it, they don't agree with it, and He'll just belittle them and then block them, okay? Now, 
there are some individuals that take it a little too far with their opinions towards him. And they'll, there's even been some that have thrown death threats out there or threats of physical harm to the guy, okay? And so then, you know, he'll go off on a tirade or a rant and he'll put a, a, a video up explaining the situation that happened. And when you watch some of his videos, you get a sense when you're watching them that, like, he's got this I'm better than you opinion. I know better than you. Who the fuck are you to, to, to oppose my opinion? Who the fuck are you to tell me that my opinion is wrong about what we're seeing here on TV? Okay? He's got that kind of vibe too, you know? And so, it's Friday night on SmackDown. The WWE filmed a vignette that uh, after the, 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 the match with Bailey. Um, Bailey had recently been started a, a, a rivalry with Shotzi, and she cut a piece of her green hair, and, and she's been carrying it around like a trophy. So, anyways, Shotzi responded to that in, in a video package, and talking about how she had that Bailey wasn't the one in control, that she was the one in control, and you know Bailey's going to be you know. Pretty much like Bailey's in for it now. Like you've you've awoken the beast. And Shotzi took clippers and she buzzed her head. And it got a lot of attention on social media, mainly from this individual, JD. And so JD put a text message, sorry, not a text message, a tweet out that said, they had Shotzi shave all her hair off. My God. Guaranteed that's a Vince McMahon call. There are just some creative decisions you don't make. Most of the time, that's one of them. Hashtag SmackDown. And so, it had turned out that it was not long after that tweet was put out and not long after the the angle they shot with Shotzi. Well, that's easy to say. Um, it turns out that it was made apparent that Shotzi was shaving her head in solidarity for her sister who's battling cancer and who lost her hair due to chemotherapy and radiation treatments. So when it was brought to JD's attention about the head shaving, he deleted the tweet. And then some of his followers or people that commented on it wanted him to own up and apologize. And this was his response. I've upset some people tonight in the wrestling space because I don't live on Twitter 24-7, which is a contradiction because he clearly spends a lot of time on there based on the activity with his tweets. Some of you who say I take shit too seriously should look in a mirror. I don't give a fuck if I upset you. Tune into the live stream after the show is over. I'll give you all the content you want. So it was easily a plug for his response to what took place. Now, let me just start by saying that I'm not a big fan of this guy just by the way he carries himself, but I've come to realize by watching some of his content on YouTube and seeing how he carries himself on social media that this whole thing is a persona, okay? He's playing an angry wrestling fan, okay? An angry wrestling fan that has a forum and delivers extremely hot takes for clicks and views on his YouTube page, okay? Now, let me... I'm not going to defend this guy here, but let me just say this. I can understand 
in the moment when he put that tweet out that he didn't have knowledge of the intentions or Shotzi's intentions behind shaving her head. Okay? In that moment, he thought of it as a WWE storyline that he didn't agree with. But once he was informed of this information, an apology would have been suffice. Hey, listen, I'm sorry. I was informed of information that this wasn't storyline driven and this was, you know, a real life um, happening. Um, no disrespect intended to Shotzi and members of her family um, who are dealing with this terrible illness that is cancer, et cetera, et cetera. You know, something to that effect. An apology, okay? But he doubled down. He was disrespectful in the process, and then he was blocking people who were calling him out for his bullshit, okay? And to me, him being genuine and sincere, as much as I think he should have been after the fact, okay, and be like, hey, I I messed up, I shouldn't have said that, or hey, you know, I wasn't aware of that information at the time when the tweet was sent out, but I want to apologize, no disrespect was intended, X, Y, Z, Him doing all of that would contradict the persona that he's trying to portray to his followers. Because people, in a sense, they listen to him and watch him for his angry tweets and his angry rants. I mean, he yells and and cusses. And don't get me wrong. I love me a four-letter word every now and then. Fuck, 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 fuck. Shit, fuck, 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 you know? But everything is like, he's like... He's like if Vince Russo was really angry. Like, not the Vince Russo that we've seen on TV over the years, but like if Vince Russo was just like like super angry and bitter and upset. Like, you don't get that from Vince Russo. He'll disagree with guys' points of views, and but he won't go on these rants about, you know, and, and disrespect people in the process, okay? He'll share his opinion, and he delivers hot takes, and people listen to him, and they agree or disagree, but... Nothing compared to what this guy, JD, from New York does on Twitter. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty wild, some of the things he has to say. His response on, on his YouTube show, that post show, yes, he made the point that he wasn't aware of the information after the fact. But then he tells all of the, the, the people that are listening and watching or the people that commented to get a life, go on a date. What are you doing on a Friday night, you know, watching wrestling? Um, hello, you, weren't you fucking watching wrestling too? That's why you tweeted the damn thing out in the first place? Like, you're telling all your followers and all these people to get a life, go on dates, stop being fucking losers? Like, all these things that he said. And you're essentially doing the same thing that you're blaming all these other people for. So, um, way to contradict yourself, pal. But um, I do want to say, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time discussing this. I think it was a terrible move on his part for him not to apologize um, and take some kind of accountability. Like I said, I can understand if he didn't, he wasn't aware of the information at the time he made the tweet, but he could have walked it back afterwards and said, Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't know, you know, the reasons behind that. No disrespect intended. I thought this was storyline driven, you know, my apologies, et cetera, et cetera. And could have left it at that. It's not like he would, I don't think he would have lost any YouTube viewers or followers on his, on his Twitter. You know, like people still watch him because he's some angry, bitter, you know, Vince McMahon hater. Um, and there's a lot of those out there. So it, it's not like you're going to lose that that following or that audience. Excuse me. <clears throat> so in closing, dude, you could have apologized. And you didn't need to be disrespectful. 
You know, the girl's doing something in solidarity for her sister who is battling a terrible, debilitating disease. You know, cancer, I'm sure everybody in this world knows at least one person in their life, whether they're a relative or a friend who's, who's gone through cancer. I've known a few myself, and it's, 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 not, it's, it's, it's nothing to laugh at. It's nothing to, to joke about. And I'm, and I'm not saying he was even joking about that because he really wasn't. But he, he doubled down on his stance and his opinion. And by doing so, he was disrespecting what Shotzi was trying to accomplish. And that was honoring her sister and standing in solidarity with her by shaving her head. Because her sister had lost her hair during this process with the chemotherapy. So, um, But like I said again, he's just looking for clicks and likes and... Had he apologized, it would totally contradict the persona he is putting off to all of you. So I'm not telling you guys to go follow him or unfollow him or anything like that. But I just wanted to share that with you because that's not the kind of wrestling fan that I am. And it's and he's everything that's wrong with those type of wrestling fans. There's way too many wrestling fans that hate watch. Okay, I would like to think myself and other people I associate myself with that watch wrestling... We watch and we give honest, fair criticisms. Do we call out bullshit from time to time? Absolutely. But we give honest and fair criticisms to WWE and to AEW. And for those of you AEW fans out there that don't believe me, and I know there's quite a few of you out there that know me personally that don't believe me, I would like to think that I'm honest and fair, whether you agree with it or not. Okay? And I stand by that. And... I say that because this past weekend on Collision, we saw a hell of a two out of three falls match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. FTR defeating Bullet Club Golds, Jay White, and Juice Robinson. Um, see, look, I said something positive about AEW. It's not all negative. <laughs> um, Collision, since its debuted last month, has probably been the most consistently good wrestling program they've put out. You know, there are parts of Dynamite that I do watch, that I do like, but for the most part, it's DVR, and I fast-forward through stuff because, you know, there's certain guys I don't like to watch, and there's certain guys I do like to watch. And I do the same thing with WWE, too. If, I don't, if I'm not watching it live, I'll fast-forward because I only want to watch certain guys wrestle, okay? Um, or certain segments. Um, and if I hear something bad happened or something really good happened, I will tune into those particular segments on both shows. That's how I watch wrestling nowadays because I don't have time to sit and watch two and a half, three hours each night. My work schedule doesn't allow that sometimes. My social life with my wife doesn't allow that sometimes. And that's okay. As you get older, you learn to, you know, change and adapt and do different things. Um, and with my wrestling viewing, it's not must-see TV sitting in front of the TV and watch it from start to finish either. Um, unless I just happen to be home. Okay? So... Collision has been a better structured show on Saturday nights. Now, people going into the debut of Collision were, were kind of iffy about it because, you know, Dynamite has been on the air for four years. A couple of years ago, they put out Rampage, and Rampage has, Rampage has pretty much been like a condensed version of WCW Thunder. It's like, it's like AEW's version of Thunder. Um, guys that didn't make it on the Dynamite, they wrestle on Rampage. And so... 
Collision, I had my doubts about it going into it because it's a Saturday night. A lot of wrestling fans don't tune into a Saturday night wrestling nowadays with the way that television is, um, especially in that 18 to 49 demographic. But um, I have it on my DVR, and I must say it's been a better structured wrestling show. There's, there's, It's easier to digest, whereas you watch Dynamite, and Dynamite, they... I mean, they loaded up. They put too much out there to the point where, like, I, for, I forget that there's certain segments to to, to to watch on the show. And that's one of the reasons why, like, I fast-forward through a lot of stuff because it's like, am I really missing something here? Like, and that may be disrespectful to some of you AEW fans, but if you, th- I know, I'm a little older now. If you think about it, it's, there's just way too much to digest. There's way too much going on. And I think that they expect... I think the AEW, AEW expects fans to follow along on their YouTube show and Rampage. They, they, they expect people to like keep up. and like I don't know half of the stuff that goes on or even any of the stuff that goes on that being the elite YouTube show. But they take those, those storylines and they transfer them over to AEW programming. And I don't know half of what's going on. So Collision has been, like I said, easier to digest. It's not as loaded. And the other night they were from Calgary. They had the finals of the men's and women's Owen Hart tournament. And then they had this, this unbelievable two out of three falls match between FTR and Bullet Club Gold, Jay White and Juice Robinson. Now, I'll admit, within the last year, I've kind of I love FTR. I think they are they share the best tag team spot in all of wrestling with the Usos right now. Okay? And they have for quite some time. But now that the Usos have kind of stepped away from the tag team scene a little bit, and they're kind of doing their own thing with this bloodline stuff, FTR shares that top spot. Consistently great tag team matches from these guys. Those are they're, they're the guys that I will sit through a match and I'll watch their stuff because I love FTR. They're a throwback to Arn and Tully. I'm a big Arn and Tully uh, mark. They're one of my, my top favorite teams of all time. I love them. Um, and so their match with Bullet Club Gold, I thought, was excellent. Um, the pacing... Uh, it didn't feel like you were watching a car crash. There wasn't too many high spots. Um, there was logical storytelling in the match. There was physicality. There was a mixture of high flying. It had a little bit of everything. Um, I have not. I'll be honest with you. I've not been a big fan of Juice and and Jay White. I thought Jay White, <clears throat> as so, as many have claimed, was the biggest free agent AEW could have picked up. His arrival into AEW was less than stellar and pairing him up with juice um i didn't really have any high hopes of hopes for it juice robinson as a character annoys me so maybe he's doing his job and i want to see him get his ass kicked but um as a character he annoys me so i haven't really invested too much into them but as a team after the match with FTR, I was like, all right, I can get behind watching these guys as a team. Like, they really brought it with FTR. And, and I'd love to see a match with them again. And so, overall, that match is easily AEW's match of the year. I put it on AEW's Mount Rushmore of wrestling matches so far. Now, I'm sure there will be plenty more great matches to come from AEW over the years. But I put that up there with Cody and Dustin from the first uh, um uh, double or nothing. I put that up there with Omega and Hangman against the Bucks from Revolution uh, 2020. And I put that up there with Hangman and Brian Danielson 
two from Newark, New Jersey, the show I went to with a couple of buddies of mine in uh, January of 2022. The rematch, the second match of their series in the AEW uh, Heavyweight Championship match. So those four matches are easily the greatest four matches in AEW history right now. Now I'm sure there's going to be more. And I'm sure the females will contribute to that as well. But I just wanted to share my thoughts on that match. I, I really enjoyed it. Both teams brought it. Um, great stories were told. Um, <clears throat> there were a few times where some of the near falls, like when they, and I talked about it earlier, the near falls with kicking out a guy's finishing moves, um, I think it's overplayed and overdone. But in this match, they didn't overdo that. Um, the, the part where FTR used the, the power and glory suplex uh, top rope splash spot, the Roma and Hercules uh, finish, um, and then Bullet Club kicks out, I was like, whoa. You know, I, I stood back. I was like, I thought that was the finish right there. And then you could see, like, Dax and, and, and Cash kind of, like, conversing, like, what do we got to do to beat these guys? And Dax is like, all right, let's just keep going. Let's, let's figure it out. And then they went with what worked, and that was their finisher, um, the, 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 what used to be called the Shatter Machine. I don't know what they call it now. Um, I think it's an homage to the Midnight Express. I could be wrong. But anyhow, um, that was, that, that form of storytelling where they, they kicked out of certain finishers, like that worked. They didn't overdo it like you see in these matches. And I think, that brings me to my next point regarding the banned list moves that, that has been put out by AEW. Where, or not banned list, but they need to get verified by agents so that they can structure the show better. So not everybody's doing the same spot. So you're not seeing the same Tope Suicida or the 450s or 1200 super kicks and stuff like that. People have been going crazy over that too. Um, you, you're, it's quality over quantity in that regard. And we saw that with this tag team match. A quality tag team match. Probably the best AEW match this year. And I think it's going to be hard for, for, for anybody to top that. And uh, Collision, if, I, I, it's still on my DVR and I, and I enjoy it. Like I said, it's structured better. It's easy to digest. There's not as many personalities on the show. Um, and they use the same set of guys. It's almost like a soft roster split. They're using the same set of guys to work on Collision. And it's been... It's been good so far, I must say. Um, the rumors of the reason of the soft split is because of Punk and the Elite and all that bullshit from the brawl out and the media scrum. Um, if, if they're using that as a way to keep them separate, I've said this before, Tony Khan's not going to be solving any problems by keeping it, keeping these guys separate. I mean, he should have nipped that thing in the butt a long time ago with, with all those guys. But nonetheless... Business is business. It's the wrestling business. You're going to find that sort of thing um, happening. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't ruin the quality of the product as time goes on. So, um, with that being said, I think it's about that time that we get into this wild card edition of Kicking Out at Two. Dennis, what do we got planned for this wild card episode? All right. So, so I was just thinking about, I was having a daydream and like, and like the few times I was with a girl, and, and like that's yeah, it's an insult. That's it. Within a few times as well, the few times I had a girl oh see and like watch wrestling with me, and like and like the wrestlers, and it was one wrestler. Uh, uh, I'll talk about later. 
that she saw and like, no, we're not watching this anymore. This is stupid. Uh, like, like, what wrestlers would would make you like, like, like proud and, and like, 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 I'm a wrestling fan. Check out this dude. I mean, like the wrestling where it's like a person would be like, what the fuck is that? And you're like, I don't like wrestling. I don't know. I can't tell you anything about that guy. And like, well, it's like the like the times where wrestling embarrasses you. Uh, be a wrestler or or like a what what or like a moment and like like the moments that are like yeah I love they make you proud to be a wrestler yeah. okay so basically we're gonna we're gonna talk basically essentially this is this is a discussion show where we're gonna talk about things that make us proud to be wrestling fans and make us embarrassed to be wrestling fans so I'm gonna let you kick things off then yeah let's let's anyway do it. So, so so I'll start with where. Where, where I wanted to, 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 to have this podcast. Well, I, I was having a daydream recently of, of not the daydream, we're having a flashback. That, 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 that uh, I was like in eighth grade, give or take. Um, uh, that that, that, that uh, thing, uh, things were going okay as much as a teenage relationship can go. And and she was like, all right, let's watch something that you like. And I'm like, there's a chance like, wrestling. I'm like, let's watch wrestling together. She's like, okay, what the fuck? And that, that, so we're watching it. That, that I, I, I think I remember uh, Mr. Perfect was in the first match. I just, hey, this is kind of fun. And all of a sudden, the next match later, fucking Mantar comes out. Huh. And she's like... Now, for those of you that are listening, Mantar was this, like, half-man, half... Wait, how would you say it? Like a monster? Yeah, um... Like, um... Oh... Yeah, it's supposed to be half beast, half man. Like a moose or yeah. something. Like yeah, he came out wearing this yeah, like... what was that? I'm trying to... Oh, I'm so mad. It was like a buffalo, yeah, maybe? Buffalo, yeah. It was like a buffalo's head <laughs> yeah. that like he came out wearing. It was managed by Jim Cornette, right? I didn't just remember Jim Cornette. I just remember him being by himself. Okay. The I fact, thought it was with Jim Cornette, but I could be right. wrong. You might be right. Yeah, who knows? Uh, that, 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 uh, but she's like, what the fuck is that? And like... She looked at me like, are we really going to watch this? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, she took the mode and yeah, then we started watching something else. And, I, and I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of embarrassed right now. I'm like, like, <laughs> that, 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 uh, that's, I was just thinking like, 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 like wrestling has that, 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 that very thin line where it's like, this is awesome. And, and then like, it could, if, if you break that line, you're like, oh man, what the? Wow, yeah, like, it doesn't take much for you to be like, oh shit. Like, yeah, like yeah, this is yeah. I, I can see why people don't like this. Um, so at that point, what? Let me guess. Like the, I'm not saying the relation. Did the relationship end or was no, she? No, like, that wasn't just the one just, and done. But it's like she, we never saw wrestling together. No. Did, now did she? Did she watch the rest of the show with no, you? No, no, no. She took it. It's like turn the shit off. Yeah, yeah. She took. Yeah, she took the moment. It's like I'm taking control. We'll watch, we'll watch <laughs> no, it's like. Okay. Right, I get it. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to dating and wrestling, um, I, I had, I've had good and bad experiences when it comes to that. Um, <clears throat> most of the girls I dated when I was younger was like, "You watch wrestling? That fake stuff." You know that that was the and so I would do my best just to avoid talking about it with them or not I wouldn't watch it around them it was wrestling was my mistress in a lot of ways yeah. <laughs> wrestling was my mistress in a lot of ways um, 
<clears throat> and then a number of years ago, I met a girl through some friends of mine, and she was actually a wrestling fan. And so we would watch uh, Raw, and um, it was like around like 2009, I think. And her, she had a younger cousin. He was a teenager, and so she would bring him over and, uh, to her house, and we would watch wrestling. And he, he was a nice kid. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we would have discussions about wrestling and things like that. And um, <clears throat> we had a lot of fun watching some of those shows together. Uh, we got her and I had gone to, I think, a, a wrestling event together. Um, we didn't last very long. Our schedules were different. She was a nice girl. Um, a little strange, though, I'll say, uh, in the sense that she was just very, um, she was almost like too nice. Like, she liked wrestling. She was way too nice. Um, I just didn't really, I don't know. For, I mean, I was also young and I wasn't trying to commit to anything yeah. and shit like that. And then, like, throughout the years, I'd date girls and they knew, you know, that I liked wrestling. And it went back to, like, oh, you like wrestling? Oh, you watch wrestling? You know? My brother used to watch that. Or I used to watch that when it was fun, when Stone Cold, you know what I mean? Like, um, <clears throat> so then I met my wife. And she had said to me when we first started dating that, you know, yeah, I used to watch wrestling. My brother and I would watch it. I liked Shawn Michaels. And he liked Sting. And I was like, oh, wow, pretty cool, you know? And... So she would actually like sit and watch with me. And then her son, she took her, you know, our son now, um, Anthony, uh, took him to some events. And we took him to see SmackDown a few times and um, a couple of events. And so we would like, when I moved in with her, Monday Night Raw, the three of us would sit together yeah. and watch it, you know. Um, <clears throat> so um, I had some good and, um, and, and not so good moments dating someone as a fan. Um, now, you talked about um, things that you were embarrassed about to be. This story, for instance, yeah. is one of the instances where you were embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. Um, <clears throat> after this relationship didn't work out, what was your, what was your approach dating when it came and, 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 and incorporating wrestling into I, that? I always tread lightly with that. <clears throat> okay. I, that, that <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. I got to tickle that, myself. That, uh, that uh, when you first meet me, yeah, you know right away, Viking fan. Let's, uh, I'm a huge Viking yep. fan. That 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 uh, that, that, that uh, I like going on walks and uh, like watching sports and uh, you know I'm out going blah 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 blah. It won't be until the fifth or sixth day that I'll be like, like, hey sweetie, look at that wrestling thing. Want to watch it with me? <laughs> yeah. So I I'm, I'm kind of with you there too. Like I was. I, I, I would tread lightly with the wrestling. Uh, talk to me about um, the um, the positives. Oh, absolutely. Things, things that things that made you proud to be a wrestler. That uh, so uh, that one of my favorite bat, uh, favorite quotes in movie history was in the Dark Knight, where it's like you either st- live, you either die a hero, you live or, long or enough, to, long be long enough to be a villain. So anyway, so 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 what so so when you were in ECW shirts in like two thousand and one, people come up to yo ECW bro. Two thousand one? Yeah, or like right after they died. You know? Oh okay. People, All right. You wear your shirt. You'd be like people like oh, you're a hero now. Like, ECW was the a, a, a hero because it died. You know, and then people be like yo ECW ECW rules so sad it's out uh, gone out of the game. You know what I mean? That, that, that uh, if you were, like I said, ECW shirt from like 
01 to 05 ish. Like, 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 like your old, that was like the coolest shirt you could get because people would just come up to you, mm-hmm. talk ECW, how much it was awesome. And people, people, if people, oh, ECW sucks, you get punched right in the fucking head. But yeah, that, 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 uh, if you wanted to be cool in 2002, get an ECW shirt, people would be like, rock out, brother. So you were proud to be a wrestling fan based on other fans acknowledging you. Um, through your ECW shirt. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's one of them. Um, let me think. Um, proud to be a fan. The first thing that comes to mind for me uh, is probably um, the charitable work that John Cena does with Make a Wish. That's a good kids. point. Yeah. That's one of the things where you know John Cena in wrestling built up this persona to. Where he transcended wrestling. Now he's an actor, you know, and he shows up, you know, every maybe once a year. He just wrestled at WrestleMania earlier this year. Uh, but um, people who don't watch wrestling know that John Cena has, um, John, John, you know, people who don't watch wrestling know that John Cena, um, if he does make a wish, that he's a wrestler. Yeah. You know, oh, that wrestler John Cena, he just granted, you know, his 750th wish or whatever. Which, I listened to a clip from Rick Rubin's podcast um, when he was interviewing Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman talked about John Cena. And I guess John Cena would just go and make these wishes to these kids uh, without any kind of fanfare. I mean, he was through the company, but like they had to convince him to publicize it so that they could help build his image. And he at first wasn't really a fan of that. So it's a testament to him that like he wanted to go make a wish for one of these sick kids that probably doesn't have that much long to live and he didn't want any publicity over it. I mean that's 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 something so when people say to me like, oh yeah, you know, John Cena that wrestler, you know, he made a wish, like that's something I could say I'm proud of, like, cause he came from wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and also I can I can uh, parlay on John Cena as well that that uh, a couple of buddies of mine were having drinks and were like Hey man, guy, it was like so. There's a couple of us were like, "What are we gonna watch, man?" Like we've been drinking, sure. Guy goes, "Hey, I was watching this cool fucking show on HBO. I I forgot what the name of the show was. That that that. that uh, but anyway, it's still popular, still going on. That that, that we watched one or two episodes. That, like, like like he was like a villain turned hero. Oh, it was it was a um. I forget. It's a comic. It's fucking awesome, though. Yeah, it's, it's, what's it's, that it's, fucking show? I'm gonna look and, uh, right now. Continue your story. Anyway, yeah, we saw like one, uh, one or two episodes, and people are like, yo, if I knew this guy was this awesome, I would have watched wrestling. And I'm like, hey, wrestling's awesome, boys. Come on, get your to shake. But so, so anyway, yeah, Cena Bomber. I was watching Cena Bomber in that show. Like, really Peacemaker? Made, yeah, Peacemaker, yeah. yeah. And that, 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 that really, really made me proud to be a wrestling fan, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um... What else you got? That um, that that I can tell you. This is your. You, I got Your no, format. No, no, I'm just saying. I just remember. I, I was again. Yeah, might have been in college at this time, and me and a couple of guys were having our breakfast, and and we we're just talking wrestling. All of a sudden, these girls come up to us and be like, "You guys talking wrestling?" And we're like, "Yeah." And they're like, "We just heard like they're talking about um, when Triple H." Bang! Uh, that 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 girl in the coffin. Is it that that uh, the canine? Oh and yeah, like, yeah. 
Kavik. Like, yeah, we're like, did that happen? Yeah, and all of us are trying to explain to to, to each girl. It's like, yeah, it's fake, and like you know, and that was an embarrassing moment. That was the time. That moment, and that moment itself, it was just awful. But then you're know, trying to explain to these girls that that that, that, that yeah, we're not geeks. <laughs> we like wrestling, but we're not geeks. But then, like, they brought up that, and it's like, yeah, that's tough. That's this is damn. I don't know how to get out of this. That was the control. moment for me because that was in the fall of 2002. So that was yeah. almost a year um, removed. That was over a year removed from uh, WCW losing the war, and so the WWF was really the only game in town. WWE at that time. And so watching that, I remember that was the moment where I was like, that was probably one of the first memories I can recall where I said to myself as I'm watching this, like, like, this isn't the wrestling that I grew up on. Like, this isn't the same. Like, wrestling's not the same. Like, this is definitely. Yeah, yeah I was embarrassed. I was absolutely embarrassed. Um, I remember a group of us, I used to work at a supermarket in college, and a group of us would watch wrestling together at my buddy Ken's house. Um, and Ken, um, and his roommate were big wrestling fans. So we would all either watch raw or we'd chip in some money for the pay-per-views, things of that nature. And we all, I, I think we all remember watching and Ken had a, a, a unique personality. He was, he was a fun dude to be around. I had a lot of laughs with him, but he had a unique personality. He was into some of that dark stuff and he thought it was funny more than it was embarrassing. And I was like, you like that? And he's like, I didn't like it, but I thought it was funny. And we all, you know, mutually yeah. agreed that, like, that shit sucked. That was just embarrassing. Like, and the fact that, I mean, that's got to be, that's got to be one of the all-time worst moments in wrestling history. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I I. I just can't explain, like, like, why did they thought that was going to be, like, like, did they think it was funny? Like, like, I, like, I don't get what the WWE's, what, what they're going for there. They're just going for shock, they're trying, they're trying to be funny, they're trying to do both. Like, I don't understand what, what they're trying to do there. I don't like, know. I, I honestly, I don't know. Um, it made Kane look like a fucking idiot, too. And like, yeah. I remember once, <laughs> have you ever heard the story about how they filmed it? No. I saw this interview once on YouTube with Triple H. He was a guest on the Opie and Anthony radio show. I think it, I think they're out of Chicago. And according to Hunter, so they, they go to this funeral home. Yeah. And they, they, they rent the room. And there is an actual funeral taking place in the next room. And so Vince is directing this this scene. And he gets Hunter to climb into this casket with this cane mask on to to pretend that he's cane to then get into the casket to screw this corpse. And according to Hunter, Vince you know Vince is directing Hunter telling him to, you know, simulate that He's having sex with this corpse. And Hunter, for whatever reason, is not doing it to Vince's liking or up to Vince's standards. 
So Vince is getting into it, and he's like, yeah, harder. Yeah, get it. Fuck your harder. Yeah, fuck it. Do it. Yeah, fucking harder. And he's screaming. He's like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, pull her hair. Yeah, fuck her. Yeah, put your leg over her shoulder. Yeah, fuck her harder. You know, just like, he's like, yeah, yeah, get in there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, fuck the shit out of her. Yeah, like he's going crazy to the point where the funeral director had to fucking open the door and walked in and was like, uh, you mind keeping it down? We got a service going on next door. So these people are going to pay their respects to yeah. this loved one next door who had passed away and fucking perverted old Vince McMahon is in the next room <laughs> yelling at his son-in-law to fuck her harder in a fucking casket. Can you imagine? When I heard that story, I was like, no, this has got to be a work. Because you know how wrestlers are when they tell stories. Like, yeah. they kind of, they try to work you into thinking that, like, all that shit is a shoot. You know, like the wrestlers have stories, they embellish things, is what I'm trying to get at. And, but Hunter tells this story, and you're like, yeah, fuck her heart, yeah, that's right, yeah, fuck the shit out of her, yeah, yeah. you know, pull her goddammit, you know, just like, what the fuck, like, that to me, like, and then when I, then when I, I, when I saw that interview, and then I go back and remember that moment, in my head, I'm just like, yeah, that fucking makes sense. That's something that Vince would do. That definitely makes sense. I think it's funny though that, that uh, you think uh, you, you think uh, Vince would be in the headquarters or at the arena or whatever the fuck. Yeah, you don't think Vince would actually be in the the funeral uh, the funeral home with Triple H and, and whatever camera. I once saw an interview with Vince where they talked about that, and actually they the WWE put this DVD out called McMahon, and it was a it was a Biography retrospective on Vince that they put out. Yeah, um, I don't think it's on the network or on Peacock, uh, but we had bought it uh, when it came out years ago. And in the interview, they talk about you know some of these things that Vince had created or was involved in, you know, during his time in the company. And the Katie Vick thing came up, and Vince um, openly admitted that he thought it was comical. He said, this is comedy. He goes, uh, 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 he goes, a guy climbing into a casket and simulating sex with a corpse? That's hilarious. Like, goes to show how fucked up of a man he is yeah. to think that. That brings me to another story where I was embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. And it kind of ties into Vince. May Young giving birth to a hand. Oh, what the fuck was that? Right? So, my mother always brings that up. You know, when, when the, yeah. the wrestling comes on, she'll joke around. She'll be like, hey, is May Young, did she give birth to another hand? And I'm like, mom, May Young's been dead for like 10 years now. You know, I have to have these conversations with my mother, apparently. Right? She thinks it's funny. I love my mother. But so, my your mother, mother was watching wrestling with you in that second. My mother, I guess when we were younger, my mother walked in the room when it happened, when we were watching Raw. Yeah. And then, you know, I think it made the news. I think that segment made the news where everyone was like, what the fuck? So, long story short, Mark Henry once said in an interview when they were doing, when they pitched the idea that Mae Young was pregnant with Mark Henry's baby, that when they were going to do the big reveal that she gives birth, and Vince was the one that came up with the idea, well, have her give birth to a hand, like an actual hand with five fingers. And Mark Henry says to her, what the fuck? A hand? What are you talking about? Are you fucking serious? Vince goes, 
yeah, it's a hand. Everybody will, everybody will, you know, it's, 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 he tried to like sell it as like some kind of like dark humor behind it. Like, and he goes, no, everybody will think it's crazy because she gave birth to an actual hand. And I mean, I, that was another moment where I was like, oh my God, really? I'm like, I can see why I don't have a girlfriend right now. This is the too um when May Long May Long was when May Young was still alive where where like the the hand came in like ten years later and like Oh yeah, they, they played that yeah, was kinda funny. Yeah, they, they had they had like a they had her as a guest on like Raw for like one of their anniversary shows and so she, she was in the back and she said she brought her son with her and it was some guy dressed up with like a big <laughs> hand. He looked like the hamburger helper hand. Like yeah, I that was kind of funny. I remember little... that, that. I, I got a chuckle out of that. Yeah, so did I. I mean, it was like you know a little like nod to like our yeah. you know the the stupidity that was that creative decision. Um, what else you got for me? It's a wild card, dude. This is your format, yeah. so yeah. That, uh, that, um... You got more moments you're proud oh, or embarrassed of, or, oh, you, or, or or is there no. other subjects you want to discuss? No, no. That that uh, the, uh, another one where the timing was a little off. That I'm watching wrestling and my dad walks in. And it was during the uh, kiss my kiss my ass that 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 the that 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 William Regal. Kiss Vince's ass. Yeah. Oh, and Regal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had to kiss his ass, and and yeah, he did. And my dad goes, "Yep, that uh, son, I'm officially worried about you." <laughs> <laughs> not that he didn't have reason yeah, before. No, that's true. Yeah, that, 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 I turned out to be. Yeah, yeah, I could go both ways, but anyway, that's another story for another day. Disgusting and like I was embarrassed and I was like, yeah, Dad, I have no fucking idea what I just saw right now. That that that, that I did that too. I love William Regal. I he must have been like, come on, I really gotta fucking do this. Now, were you embarrassed to watch it when your dad saw it, and were you afraid that like he wasn't gonna allow you to watch it after no, that? No, no, no. Or were you just embarrassed because of the content that happened? And, and between me and you, my dad love him. But, but but he made some miscalculations for stuff I was watching on TV. <laughs> the, 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 the most famous event, well, like ten years old, maybe even younger. We're watching Friday the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street together, and, and 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 I was done right after the Johnny Depp scene when Johnny Depp gets sucked into the bed, and then all this all this blood goes flying up and hits the ceiling. I'm not going to use my bed for another week. And my mother, yeah, re, like she, fucking she ripped him a new asshole. Your son's on nightmares. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. So my dad. Anyway, when it comes to TV, my dad can have a, a little bit of a misjudgment. But anyway, no, no, no. I wasn't. I wasn't afraid I was gonna get my my wrestling rights taken away from me. But it's like, hey, you know, your dad's your hero, and like, like hey, this is. My dad was never part of the armed forces, but he's the son of a merchant marine. So okay. he kind of, my dad still had kind of like, he ate a bowl of like, you know, you, you know, you know, nails with milk for breakfast. You know what I mean? And he, he seriously, he's the type of guy that drinks his coffee black, drink his whiskey. And, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you know, you know I, I'm not saying this just to say it, but it's true. My dad's a man's man. Yep. And so he's watching this and, he, and he's like, uh, son, what the fuck, man? You know what I used to be embarrassed? Not necessarily about being a fan, but I used to get embarrassed when my grandmother used to tease me because I used to have a crush on Miss Elizabeth. What? 
I was a little, I was a young kid, so like I hadn't hit puberty yet. Like I wasn't, you know, I, you know, girls were disgusting, and you know, germs and cooties and all yeah. that stuff. So like, you know, although I did have a crush on Miss Elizabeth, yeah, you know, I didn't want anybody else to know that. That was my little, you know, dirty secret. Oh, I've been that to the world, at, like you know, know seven or eight years yeah. old, but. Um, she used to say like, "Oh, there she is! Look at Miss Elizabeth!" Oh, yeah, fun. yeah. She was teasing me, so yeah. I'd be like, "Knock it, like, stop, man! <laughs> you know, I'm like, stop!" And you know, then like sometimes yeah. I might even change the channel. Um, but there were times where like they would do things on, t- on on wrestling, and I'd be embarrassed about it, and um, to the point where I was afraid that like if my parents saw it, they wouldn't allow us to watch wrestling. Like, for instance, when and we're kind of going off the rails a little bit here, but um, during the Attitude Era, okay, um, you got Austin flipping people off at the middle yeah. finger. You have Undertaker sacrificing people's souls. Um, you know, you had DX telling you to suck it. Val Venus and was a porn star. The Godfather was a pimp with hoes. Like all this crazy stuff, right? And I used to, I remember. Um, I think it was my brother Justin or even Daryl, I, I, one of them. And one of them had said to me, or one of them got in, got in trouble or something or was told to go to their room for something. And one of them told my father, oh, yeah, well, if you don't like that, I got two words for you. Suck it. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And because I was the oldest and I was the first, I was the one to introduce my younger yeah. siblings into wrestling. I was the one that took the heat for it. Not the fact that one yeah. of them told my father to suck it. It was, it's because you watched that wrestling with him. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was shit like that. So I was like, I, I, that was, I used to get nervous during that period of time. If we were all watching wrestling together and one of my parents came in the room and saw something that we probably at that age shouldn't have been watching. Yeah. I was afraid that we were going to lose our privileges to of watching wrestling itself. Like, that's it. You're done. You're not watching on TV. Give me your, all your fucking tapes. Like, everything. The yeah. whole night. That's interesting because, uh, at least with me, it wasn't like getting... My parents didn't care about me watching wrestling. But I actually did get my wrestling rights revoked. The none of you mentioned it. My my sister used to have, my sister used to have these dolls that were like you know kid size you know so they're like my size so I'd body slam them elbow drop them but what would happen after like elbow dropping four or five times they would rip and break so, so my mom my, and they were expensive so, so so my mom would yell at me be like no we're fucking wrestling you're destroying your sister's toys are expensive so you're you're making your sisters cry because you're breaking their toys like no more wrestling so, so I was like ah oh, fuck so, 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 so I'm with you it's like it's like it's like that's the not the act of watching wrestling. It was like the when you uh, when you're trying to um, pretend that you are a wrestler. That's what got you into trouble. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. What else you got? Then uh, so I'm just curious that that uh, how about like Chris Benoit? We, we that 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 were you embarrassed? Were you just like it's just. A wrestler, that that uh, you know, none of my business type of thing, or like, I don't. I I wasn't. Em- I wasn't embarrassed. Yeah. Um, I wasn't embarrassed for the simple fact that, um, you know, I that could happen to anybody. Like that, it, it's not something of that nature. As unfortunate as it was, and as horrific as it was, that could happen to anyone. 
in any walk of life. Yeah, that's true. You could be, you know, a police officer. I mean, you hear stories of, unfortunately, folks in law enforcement deal with a lot of trauma. And you hear of, of folks in law enforcement taking their own lives, maybe even, you know, taking the life of a loved one, a murder, suicide. Yeah. You know, you, you hear, you've heard, there's all kinds of stories out there like that. So I wasn't embarrassed to be a fan because of what he did. Um, but I was, I, I just thought the whole situation was sad and unfortunate. And I knew that it was going to, it was going to put a big stain on wrestling at that time. And what it was to be a wrestling fan. Like I, like for instance, I'll, 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 I'll detail you a little discussion I had with my father around that time. You know, he said, you know, so what happened with that wrestler, you know, the, the Benoit guy. I explained to him, you know, what was reported on the news. And, yeah. Um, and so one of my father's questions was, was, um, was something to the effect of like, did he not like his position on the card? Like, did he not like, you know, where he was placed on the show or, or his role in the company and things like that. And, you know, do you think maybe he was upset and depressed because of, you know, the way Vince McMahon was using him, you know, on television. And at that time, I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a egregious statement to make or egregious question to ask because at that time, Benoit was kind of, Benoit had already won the title yeah. a couple of years prior. He had his run. He was still relevant on TV, but I think they were getting to the point where they were trying to phase him not down, but like they were trying to get him to help elevate the next generation, in a sense. They put him on the ECW brand. Yeah. They were gonna. He was scheduled to have a, a match with CM Punk yeah, at that pay per view. He was supposed to go over, right? I don't know if he was supposed to go over or not. I don't know for for certain, but they wanted his he his his style of wrestling fit what they were trying to perceive with that ECW brand, and they thought with his experience. And the knowledge that he had that he could help a lot of those younger guys. So, to some, people looked at that as like a demotion. Yeah. You know, he went from being the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, the main event at a WrestleMania, yeah. to now he's the, the, the leader of the third brand in the WWE. Uh, you didn't awful. like it? Uh, the, 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 the ECW back then? Well, no, I know that. Uh, but I'm saying, I thought you were talking about the Benoit Association with it. I don't know. I think that's a great point. I never thought about that before. Too. Yeah. I, I thought you dad were giving excellent questions. And it, and, and that only do I think that was a revelant question for the, that time. I think it's a revelant question to this day. And I don't think no one's ever made that point before. Uh, that, 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 uh, that, 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 uh, he obviously went bananas and nuts. That, 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 uh, that, uh, I do blame a lot of it on the concussions and all this other stuff. But, but, like, he's a man. He could make his own. Uh, you never heard anyone else with, with the same. Concussions or whatever, do that yeah. crazy shit, you know? In football, wrestling, or anything like well, that. Well, I mean, in football, I mean, in, in the NFL, the you, you wouldn't hear of, like, murder-suicides, but you yeah. heard, you, there were a few players that had dealt with CTE over the years, undiagnosed, until after they had passed, that killed themselves because, of the, because of the injuries. So, that is very true. I mean, it's... It's 15 years removed and a combination of between the, the the cases that took place in the NFL, which eventually led to that gigantic class action lawsuit um, with all those players, and the Chris Benoit thing 
head trauma in sports is like front and center as to how the these individual contact sports address it. So in a way, as as unfortunate as the situation is, this Benoit thing, yes, it put a black mark on wrestling. And maybe some fans were embarrassed to be fans because of it. But it also ushered in, it forced the wrestling industry to take a look at head injuries and and try to find safer ways to still perform and entertain yeah. us as fans. Very well said, yeah. That's just, that's just my take. Is there anything else you want to share and discuss on this wild card episode? No, that's pretty much it. I just wanted to bring up Mantar just like... I could, I truly believe it. if you watch if you're a true wrestling fan and, and sooner or later I think everyone has like a Mantar story. To All right, so your final, so my final question to you is: Yeah, your proudest moment as a wrestling fan, the oh, one, great the, one the, 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 the top of the list, the proudest moment. Great that, question that you have as a wrestling fan. Great, great question. Um, um, probably me. Uh, I've all shirts that that that, that, I, that I ever owned that that uh, that uh, I, I was rocking a Becky Lynch shirt and 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 these chicks that that, that they, they were no and they were not thirteen or fourteen they were, they were my age mid, early thirties at the time they looked at me <laughs> I like how you have to preface that no, like, no, no, oh, they no, were no, teenagers no 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 no, no. I'm not no, a pedophile no no no, no. I'm Uncle Dennis I love anyway you get the gist I love no no no. And then, no, no, but anyway, what I'm trying to say is I love kids. And I'm, I know, we but, get it. I'm just busting your balls. Go but on. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is I had the Speculant shirt on, and, and these girls kind of gave me like the, like the pistol wave, like, bam, bam, like, like, that's hot stuff. You know what I mean? I'm like, yes. Anyway. As a Did you capitalize? Company. Maybe get a phone no, number? No, no. You know me. I'm, I'm, I'm a little gun shy that sort of thing. Yeah, okay. Da, 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 a little gun shy. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I'm really outgoing, but then it comes to girls. Like, like I suck, but anyway. That um, but yeah, that was a pretty proud moment. See that? Well, you know what? The funny thing is, is that we started this podcast where you talked about like dating a girl and watching yeah. wrestling, and she saw Mantar, and she took control of the remote control. Yeah, and that was like the one big thing that like. So that was probably the most embarrassing moment to be a wrestling. Oh, I was fan. traumatized. Okay, I, I really so was, now. Yeah. The op, we, we, you're ending this on the yeah. opposite end of the spectrum where you're wearing a Becky Lynch t-shirt and these chicks see your shirt, they like your shirt. Who knows if they even know wrestling is, is legit. And you had your chance to redeem yourself, you fucking moron. That's true. Good point. <laughs> you had your chance to redeem Good yourself. Point. Good point. You could have just been like, oh, so hey, oh, you like my shirt? Yeah, you know who Becky Lynch is? Yeah, yeah. Hey, my name is Dennis. Blah, blah, blah. Nice to meet you. I'm a bartender at the Sheridan. You should come by. You have a drink. Maybe we can talk about Becky Lynch. Oh, I'm deep. Yeah. It was that really cool shirt too, the, the, the with her with the bloody nose and everything. Oh, even yeah. better! Yeah, was, the moment that put her on the map. Yeah, that's the it. Moment it was, that it was such a great part. shirt. And by the way, I, I, before we conclude, conclude, for all those people, I thought like the the Britt Baker photo with her with the black eye. What's the difference? Becky Lynch has a big smile on her face. That she's happy. It looks like like like, like she wants to fight. You know what yep. I mean? That's that, that the picture with the Brett Baker, Brett Baker the, 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 the black the, eye. The black yeah. eye, she's miserable. It looks like so, like she got into a domestic dispute. If you can't tell the difference between those two shirts and why one's bad and one and one's good, I'm just listening to these to these fans that that that, that uh, both both uh, were like a podcast like us 
and like like on like on like like a yep, text I get format. it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, guys, can you not really tell the difference? But anyway, that 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 that. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a pretty cool moment though. Yeah, when the girls. So that was like, your most yeah. proud moment as a wrestling fan. And it was up there, yeah. Okay, was, so it's up there. So yeah. that's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you had your most embarrassing, your most proud. Yep. It involved the opposite sex. Yep. I like how you kind of brought that all together. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't. I, I don't have a most embar. I mean, well, I guess you could say the most embarrassing was probably the the Katie Vick thing as a fan. Um, but um, if there, if there was a moment where I could say I was the most proud to be a fan. You know what makes me most proud to be a fan? And maybe it's because I'm older now, okay? I'm 40, so, you know, this is a nostalgia podcast about my wrestling fandom growing up. Uh, But what makes me most proud to be a fan is when I go to shows and I see the kids involved. And I'm like, that was me. That was me when Hulk Hogan came out. That was me when Randy Savage wrestled. That was me when, you know, Steve Austin came out. Like, stuff like that. Like, where I see the kids and, like, they're decked out and, like, they're covered in, you know, their their, their favorite wrestler's merchandise head to toe, you know? Like, yeah. Like, most recently, you know, back in June, um, my brothers and I, we went to, um, to Monday Night Raw in Hartford. Uh, and Mike Johnson wrote a great article for PW Insider about his, he, he attended that same show. And he talked about how WWE... And the, the growth that they've had in the last year with their storytelling and how they've been patient and how he, he brought up a great point. He said the audience didn't feel or, or, or project itself as if they were um, like smart marks where like they, they cheered and booed someone because they wanted that person to win based on how they want the story to, to be ref, to reflect. They, 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 they hated the Miz because Miz was obnoxious. They chanted for Cody's name because Cody's the hero. You know what I mean? Like it, it and so things like that. When I see kids at, at, at the at the um, at the shows, and I just think to myself, like, like that was me, like when I was a kid, like, and seeing how happy the young kids are yeah. when they go to these shows. That's what makes me proud to be a wrestling fan. And it's instances like that where, like, you have people that don't watch wrestling, that don't like wrestling, that have said, you know, wrestling's fake and it's this, that, and the other. And I always relate it to, like, it's a real-life comic book. Like, you take your kids to go see Marvel's Avengers, right? Are you there watching the movie talking about how fake it is when, you know, Drax the Destroyer comes out of thin air and, you know, (laughs) throws somebody across the other end of the universe? You know what I mean? Like, or the Batman movies, you know? Batman flying off the top of the building in Gotham City yeah. to save a citizen. Like, is that fucking real, too? You know? Like, are you question- Are you sitting there going to these shows or going to the movie theater questioning that stuff? It's a live-action comic book right in front yeah, of you. Point. Yeah. It's theater, okay? It's athletic theater. And so when kids are into it, it's no different than going to a movie, to a, to a Marvel movie and seeing, you know, your superhero vanquishing the, the the evil rival the villain whatever you know what i mean so when i see kids like that that's what like i look over and i'm like yeah i'm proud to be a wrestling fan that was me when i was a kid and now this guy is taking his young kid who 
you know, he probably was a fan when he was younger, to go see wrestling, you know. So that, to me, seeing the enjoyment on kids' faces now as a 40-year-old man when I go to wrestling events, especially like I it was at WWE Raw in Hartford, that makes me proud to be a wrestling fan. That's probably my proudest moment. And I'm sure there were others where I was proud to be a fan. Um, actually, you know what? I got another one for you. Yeah. I got another one for you where I was proud to be a fan, where I was like, I, I, I was... You can relate to this. The most recent WrestleMania, the first night, the main event, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens against the Usos for the tag team titles. We all know how great the Bloodline storyline has been, Sami Zayn's involvement, the twists and turns, how his character has grown, the growth of of Jey Uso and his character, the bond and the friendship they had, Roman Reigns' involvement in it as well. Just everything that the Bloodline has done in the last year or so has been hitting on all cylinders. All the pieces of the puzzle fit. So it culminates in this big WrestleMania match, right? Everyone had been arguing, like, should Charlotte and Rhea go on last or should Sami and KO go on last? And so everyone's just kind of like, you know, up in the air about it. And the match happens. You know, we get the finish. Sammy and KO win the tag team titles. Best friends reunited for a common cause, you know, against the bloodline. And I just remember I watched it with both of my brothers. And I just remember seeing how invest how the reaction from everybody watching the match in the stadium and like the music playing and I I remember I remember when the pinfall happened when when the ref counted to three and the bell rang and they announced the Sammy and KO were the winners. I remember sitting in that chair over there and I was just kind of like I was like yeah like like yeah like I was I, I got lost in it. I got lost in the match. I got lost in the story. And it it's kind of hard to do that nowadays when, you know, there's the advent of social media and, you know, you can you can find all kinds of information on Google yeah, and you read spoilers, the spoilers yeah. and all that other stuff, right? It's kind of hard to get lost in that. Yeah. But I got lost in that story from start to finish and, the, and, and that culminated in this big moment. So when I see, like, them playing the music and they're, they're singing the Sami Zayn song and then he goes in the front row and he kisses his wife who's fucking yeah. bawling her eyes out. Like that to me, I was like, yes. I was like, like that. It just brought me back to like when I was a kid, and I was excited to see my favorites win their matches after you know a, a long story or a rivalry yeah. or an angle that they had with someone. So that moment right there when they won, the crowd was going crazy. They ended night one of WrestleMania. Like in my opinion, I think night one of WrestleMania obviously was better than night two, but night one of WrestleMania is it right now currently. I consider that pay-per-view of the year. The show of the year. Just oh. the first night. Yeah. Okay? There's been some other good shows. Okay? There's been some other good shows in yeah. wrestling this year. But I consider night one of Wrestle- WrestleMania Saturday to be the best wrestling show this year in 2023. Are <laughs> you talking about pay-per-views that, that made you proud this year? How about that stupid AEW one? Oh, oh my god! All right, we'll go. All right, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll end on a anyway, sour note. Anyway, no, no, I'm just saying. I'm making my oh yeah, no, I, was, I wouldn't say I was embarrassed to be a fan then, but it was a shit pay per view, oh, double or god, nothing. Yeah, awful, fucking awful. But anyways, that moment, just overall seeing that the 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 joy in the fans' eyes yeah. in that stadium when he finally won, and you know, a lot of people 
will we'll argue, oh, Sammy should have been in the main event. He should have won the title and beat Roman, etc. You know, all of that stuff. Like, I'm st- I was... I was steadfast that like the story wasn't about him winning the title. The story was about him and his best friend getting back together. Yeah. And 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 you know defeating these guys that kind of turned on Sammy in a way. And then the conflict, everything. It just I I just I remember sitting in that chair and I just like lifted my arm. I like did like a fist pump. I was like yes, like yes, he finally won. I I was just and, and that that made me proud because I've been a fan for thirty seven years. And over time, my fandom has evolved to the point where I became a jaded fan because I would read spoilers. And, you know, I still do from time to time. We talk about different yeah. storylines and things that we would like to see in the stories. But um, it, it, it got to a point where it was like I'd watch and I'd read stuff and I'd be annoyed with what they were doing. And I didn't like their creative. And they're, they're, now it's to a point where I, I've allowed myself to get lost in the story. I got lost. I went through the ride and it was fucking awesome. And I was happy. And I I remember, you know, I, that night was over. And we go to bed and I was like, man, I can't wait for WrestleMania Sunday. It like just had that feeling. Yeah. Like it was like you couldn't wait to watch the next show. So that that's my, that and watching how kids react at shows. Those are my two proudest moments right now. And I'm sure that will change, yeah. you know, right now as to be a wrestling fan. That's pretty cool, man. Well, thank you for uh, for bringing us this wild card topic here on this episode of Kicking Out of Two. I'm looking forward to what you got in store. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the, next to, month to the listening audience of Kicking Out of Two. Go on Facebook or whatever. Uh, uh, tell yeah, us, tell us what your proudest yeah. moment is what to be a wrestling fan. Or what's your most embarrassing yeah. <laughs> moment to be a wrestling fan? Yeah. We'll we'll see, we'll see if uh, we can get the, the results of that. Um, in the very near future on another episode of Kicking Out of Two. With that being said, I think it's about that time we put this one officially down for the three count. Proud, not embarrassed, but proud to be a wrestling fan here. And we'll see you all next time.